to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, the show that empowers you to redefine the life you want and live your best life now. I'm your host, Francine Belly, and I show purpose-driven entrepreneurs and professionals a powerful pathway to become thought leaders in their field, attract their ideal clients, and impact millions of people globally. So don't get fooled. It hasn't always been that way. I went from being a frustrated and unfulfilled corporate employee to living a globe-trotting lifestyle, doing what I love, speaking across the world, and being featured in top media publications. I am on a mission to help a million entrepreneurs and professionals to become thought leaders in their industry by leveraging the power of personal branding. Join me and my guests every Tuesday for inspirational stories and practical strategies to get more meaning in your work and in your life, make the money you deserve, and lead a movement to change the world. I'm excited to have in this new season of Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast, Akhtar Bakshash. He's the founder and chief catalyst at the Catalyst Innovation Group. And he's also the author of the book, Purpose Mindset, how Microsoft inspired its employees and alumni to change the world. Hi, Akhtar. Welcome to the show. Very nice. Thank you very much, Francine, and really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. At this interesting times that we are in. Exactly. Me too. I'm so much looking forward to this conversation because actually this is the second time that you are coming in the show. And last time was episode eight. So more than 80 episodes later, (laughs) you are back. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, also the reason I've asked you back is because of two things, really. You know, since you last came, things have changed. The world have changed. COVID-19 pandemic happened. And we have seen also, you know, social upheaval with Black Lives Matter and then the Great Resignation. Actually, three things that happened, not even two. Um, so, so many big events. And then you have released, of course, your book, uh, In the Meantime, actually, Purpose Driven Mindset. Um, My question, first of all, you know, before we come back to all those events and uh, the implication and all all those things is, why have you decided to write this book? Obviously, this book has been written before COVID, right? Why have you decided to write this book? So, so yes, of course, I mean, you know, the book, came out in November, 2020 and COVID hit when I was writing my last chapter. (laughs) And, you know, there was really no warning at all that this is the environment we would be in. But, you know, my work at Microsoft, I was constantly running into people that kept wanting to work with me because they, were passionate about making change. And my answer to them was, if you're passionate about making change, why do you need me? Why not just go make the change you want? And what I found is that people were kind of trapped in this in-between space where they themselves were not willing to discover their purpose and act on it. 
where they felt that they needed some external push, like another job that could actually get them to drive their purpose. So I kind of felt that purpose is something that is inherent to everybody. Every single individual has a purpose in life. And it is important that we get people to understand how you discover that and articulate it. And the book was written with that frame in mind. And it just so happened that it became very important right now, given the three circumstances that you just articulated. That is really, really true, actually. I've been also working in this uh, realm for so many time and very, very difficult for people to actually even discover their purpose and let alone having a process to do that. So even actually, would you say that we discover our purpose or we create our purpose? What is it? <laughs> do we discover so, so it or I, do we create it? I, I think it's both, right? I mean, it, it, so, so first of all, let's just step back we start off on the wrong foot. Right? Our parents basically tell us, decide what career you want to have. Right? So the question that gets asked is who you want to be. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be a doctor? Do you want to be an engineer? Do you want to be, I you know, pick any discipline, artist, musician, you know, who do you want to be versus who do you want to serve? And if we flip that question, then the notion of who you want to serve becomes the driving factor, right? That I want to serve people. So if I want to serve people, then I can, because I want to make them healthy, then medical field is the path. But you don't have to be a doctor to do that. You can be a nurse, you can be a biomedicine, person, you can be a technologist. So it opens up a whole different series of conversations, right? If you say, I, I want to be in a space where people can learn, one path is you become a teacher. Another part is do what you are doing, right? Mm -hmm. That's a whole different way of education and learning. So, so I think, so, so that's one, right? So now, we are in the space where we really need to get people to first discover their purpose and then articulate it. And that's a process that people have to go through. And the work that we are doing now with my organization is working with organizations, whether they are companies, nonprofits, and helping them through simple exercises, individuals to first discover their purpose and then connect it to the purpose of the organization. So you start getting meaning in life. Yeah, yeah. first of all, earlier you say, actually we do not, it's best not to say what we, do we want to be and instead looking at who we want to serve but discovering our purpose is who we want to be to start with right because right. if we are not we can't serve right and we can't serve in a vacuum we have to know actually 
I, I find that usually what people do actually is not even who you want to be. They ask, what do you want to do actually? You know, usually people ask, what do you want to do when you grow up or something, which is, I think, where the problem is. But actually, if we at least try to be someone or, you know, become something or someone, then we then can discover our purpose, right? Or what would you think about that? Yeah, so, so let, me, let me kind of clarify this, right? So we are right now operating within the paradigm of the growth mindset. Carol Dweck's work, seminal work in the 1990s, which essentially says you can't have a fixed mindset, you should have a growth mindset. And the growth mindset is basically a duality between you and your work. You grow, your work grows, you grow, right? And that's a duality. That's an in and a yang. But purpose actually introduces a trinity. It is you grow, work grows for what? Which is to benefit the community which is the larger good, which is extending the common good. Can you repeat so, that again, please? You grow. You grow, your work grows, your community benefits. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right, so that's the Trinity. The Trinity is the introduction of what I, why are you doing what you're doing? Is it for self-benefit or is it for larger benefit? And if you say it's the larger benefit, then obviously you're part of that larger community anyways. Yeah. But what happens is that we are much more focused on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it is important to be focused on ourselves. Of course, you need to have a growth mindset. But what I'm arguing now is that you need to move beyond a growth mindset into a purpose mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally, totally aligned uh, with what you're saying, because yes, this is what I always say, you know, when you are doing something, what impact is going to, you know, what impact are you looking to have? So it's obviously, exactly. as you say, you know, you can have passion, but, you know, passion itself is just like selfish, yours. It is for the and, self. Yeah. And then how are you going to take that then to serve the great, you know, community out there or serve others, you know, through your passion. So can you define what that purpose mindset mean? How do we get to have a purpose mindset now? Yeah, so I basically identified five principles in the book that one needs to kind of think about. I, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, the, it's the glasses that you put on, it's the lens that you put on to view the world, right? So it's not, it's not as if, you know, it's some surgery that you have to do. It is really a shift. It's a paradigm shift, right? It's a mindset shift. First, focus on your strengths. Mm -hmm. We are constantly telling people yeah. to focus on their weaknesses, right? And yes, we need to understand how to improve. But what we need to really focus on is what are you good at? And let's focus on that. Let's build on that. And in that process, also overcome some of the weaknesses that you may have. Mm -hmm. Now, this is also being used in neuroscience. It's a concept called mirroring, where people who've been partially paralyzed, the surgeons actually, the doctors work with the stronger side of the body and the brain then mimics it and the weaker side mimics it. And it's a very interesting concept. Right, that how do you actually look at working from strengths? And the other thing is that mentally working and discovering your strengths and articulating your strengths 
puts you in a positive mode. When you're just constantly fixing problems, you're in that downward spiral of saying one problem after another after another. And now you can expand this into also how you think about work. Are you trying to solve a problem or are you trying to envision a future? It's, it's you know, is a glass half full or the glass half empty? It's a perspective, right? So first, work from your strengths. Second, put on a lens of abundance. We are constantly working within the frame of resource constraints. There will always be resource constraints. If you're a millionaire, you want to be, you want to have 10 million. If you have 10 million, you want to have 100 million. You want to, you want to have a billion. If you have a billion, you want to be 10 billion. And it just keeps going on and on and on. Mm -hmm. But start, start with something, start with an idea, start with an approach, start with the change you want to see and things will happen. Resources will come, people will join you. Others will provide resources. So you don't have to wait for a big amount of resource to come to you before you start. So, and in the book, I kind of give examples of people who kind of shifted their mindset to focus on these things, right? And that's what the book is all about. Third, it's not about how efficient you are in doing what you do, but it is about how effective you are. What is the impact? It is not about doing things the right way. It is about finding the right things to do. Focus on the right things to do versus doing things the right way. Fourth, we are no longer, we are in the age of igniting movements. Anything you do can become a movement. It can be a small movement. It can be a large movement. But movement essentially means how do you bring others along? And it is not about organization. It's not about building organizations. Yes, organizations become the vessel, but it is actually synchronizing people. And so the talent you now need is to be a conductor versus a manager, right? So how do you kind of think about what are you seeing in people, right? So, so that's fourth. And the fifth is how do you continue to move on this path from generosity to empathy to compassion. And when you're on that path, then you're moving from the focus on the self to the focus on the we and the community and the common good. Yeah. And I think what we need to do is to move on that spectrum. So these five principles are what I'm asking people and folks that I work with to focus on so that it strengthens their self and helps articulate a purpose. Mm -hmm. That is wonderful, five principles. So if I go back to the first one, focus on your strength. Sometimes it's very difficult for people to really understand in the first place. As you say, we've been always asked to focus on a weakness, uh, go and work on your weakness and things like that. So how do we discover our strength? So I, I actually do a workshop with people and, I, and it's actually not that difficult. I, I kind of take them through a process where we get them to articulate their strengths. We get them to articulate their values. 
your strengths and your values, and then craft a purpose statement based on that. And now, once you've got that purpose statement, now we can go deeper and say, how do you apply that purpose? Let's talk about your work. Let's talk about your life. Purpose is not just in work, right? I mean, there are three rings of purpose. Purpose is, is the work that you're doing itself purposeful or the company has a purpose. Second, are you getting to do work that is purposeful? And three, are you able to apply purpose outside of work? And all of these three rings need to come together for you to be truly believe that you are in the service of the greater good. Mm -hmm. So we kind of take people through this exercise that helps them. And we've now done over five, 600 individuals have gone through this exercise in the last few months, since six months since we started doing this work. We've talked to senior executives, CEOs of companies, board members, you know, students. In fact, I did one yesterday for the for Mural, which is this company that has the whiteboarding stuff. Tomorrow I'm doing this exercise for Girls Up, which are these young girls that are gonna go through this process. And we try and keep it fun, it's short, but it just gets people that flavor to kind of shift, right? And when I tell people, and they say, it's very hard, I can't talk about my strengths. How but do you, you get them to understand what is their strength? For a young girl, so, for example, let's see, so, a so, student, so, so a junior we, person. You know, I mean, how, the, how do the, you get them to understand? I, it's not that, you know, we kind of get them to articulate certain words, we share with them words, and we kind of get them to pick these words, and then we get them to talk about why they selected these words, and then kind of talk about why they think this is their strength. And so it's, it's a process, right? So, and then again, these things are not fixed in time things evolve. But to me, the important thing is not whether you say, I am good at math, but it is very important for you to say, I'm good at something. And that something might change, but the mindset shift is for you to be put in that space where you're constantly focused on, what am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? Right, so it's it's that journey that we want people to be because we've been trained to constant. If I ask you or me to say what are your weaknesses, we'll give three pages. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> my weaknesses now. I don't even know if I have a weaknesses because I forgot right. my strengths. <laughs> right, so 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 how do we get people to say, stop worrying about that. Focus on your strengths. Right, start articulating your strengths and. And then narrow it down, right? We've got about these 80 words that we use and we kind of take people through that exercise of saying, okay, from that 80, you know, highlight 12 and then let's take it down to eight and then we take it down to five and then we take it down to three, which doesn't mean these the other strengths don't exist, but it's really to get you to focus on something. Yeah. Okay, start from here. If these three things, if in your work and in your life, you're always being getting some opportunity to do this, you will be much happier. You are not gonna to get to do this all the time. You will always need to do certain things that you don't necessarily like. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So with all the 500 plus kind of um, company or, you know, all those companies that you've talked to, what are your learnings since the book has come up and all these um, uh, exercise that you've been doing in those companies? What are the key learning? How, how people, you know, or these organizations are approaching this now? How are they shifting the mindset? So, so, so one of the things is that, you know, first of all, I mean, people find it very fascinating because they've never done this. Right? Two, we do it in a collective fashion with a group rather than just an individual. So they actually get an opportunity to share with each other. And then they're actually building some collective consensus around what their work should include, right? And we work with the leadership team to be able to help articulate that. So, I mean, there is strengths finder, right? You can take a strengths finder and you know your strengths, <clears throat> but then, you know, but, you know, you do all of these assessments the, the point is not about the assessment. The point is about how do you effectively utilize it? So what we do is we create these mentorship programs and we kind of work with them and people are finding it great. Now, of course it is a little too quick, but the feedback we are getting is, this is great, but it should not be one time that we should keep coming back to it, right? And so what we are doing is we are working with HR in these companies and figuring out a way by which this can become something that happens on a regular basis where people are able to articulate it as much as we are trying to, you know, even if it's a salesperson, we kind of give them sales training. This is something that is needed because the world is expecting it now. Right, that even if a company shows up and it's you, it's not just about selling a widget, it is actually about selling a vision, right? Airbnb, all of these companies that have been successful, they've shared a vision, not just, I mean, you can buy any glasses. Why does Wabi Parker actually talk about glasses in a very different way? Because they're selling a vision. They're selling a purpose. They're actually selling something from the greater good. So it is getting people to understand where their company fits, how to talk about the company, and then how it benefits them and others together. So it's a journey. So when I say 500 people, I mean, it's the number of people in these 10, 15 organizations that we work with that have taken these exercises, right? So we are now assessing the statements, what people are writing, but what we have found consistently is when people start, they find it hard, but these exercises have all been done in 30 minutes. So it's not as if we are giving people two days, three days to ponder over it, right? And they create something, we actually give them that sheet, we ask them to keep it with them, we ask them to keep going back. And it's actually very fascinating because I did this with my students before the term, and now they're doing a reflection paper and they did this exercise in October and they're now writing a reflection of the class. And so many of them have gone back to the purpose statement they wrote and saying, hey, this is what I'm gonna focus on. So, so that's the journey is to kind of get people excited about it. Not everybody is gonna get excited about it. Some people are just gonna do it because they're gonna do it. But then it's really 
on the company that needs to kind of keep focusing on it to get the benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you have your purpose statement. I do something a bit similar with uh, my uh, clients also called mission statement, where oh, I also get them to uh, discover their values. And uh, But what would you say is the difference between purpose, vision, mission? What, 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 what we, we kind of tend to use those interchangeably, but I know that um, there is a hierarchy. So what would you say will be a difference between a purpose statement and a mission statement, for example? So the purpose is the soul of the matter. It is the why. Vision and mission is how and the impact. It's just a very simple thing. The purpose comes before you write your mission and vision statement. Mission and vision is how you are going to put it in action. And purpose is really, you know, how you want to think about where you want to be. So I start with the purpose. We are actually doing, we are doing a lot of work with companies now where they have the mission, vision statement, and we're getting them to introduce the purpose statement. And the purpose statement kind of sits above their mission and vision. And the purpose is really the soul of the matter. It's actually the why, right? Is your it why. is the why. Yeah, it is actually, the why. Yes. Why I do, do include exist? the why in, within the mission that at the beginning of the exercise of the mission statement, but Correct. obviously in this case is the purpose statement. You encapsulate the why. What is your why, actor? Is Do you have a, what, your, what's your purpose statement? <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I, I will tell you my purpose statement, right? Yeah. My purpose is to bend the arc of humanity through my teaching, writing, and art to make the world a better place. To bend the arc? What does so, that mean? Yeah, so if you really think about, it is really a fancy word <laughs> because I got time to- It is a fancy word, you are a professor. Right? But it is really <laughs> more about impacting humanity in a very direct way through how I teach, how I write, and the art I create. The work behind me is my art. And I've done a whole series of paintings now focused on COVID and the impact of women. And it is all about giving people the opportunity to get the tools necessary to create a better world. So that's really my purpose. Right now, how do I do it? I, you know, I have a practice of consulting. I have a practice. I teach in the classroom. I write books. I paint. That's my craft. Mm, I didn't know. Those you are painted. my tools of doing it. Is this painting behind you yours? Yes. Wow, that's wonderful. Do you sell yeah. your paintings? Oh, I is... do. Oh. Yeah, I have a I website. Akhtarbacha.com and you know okay i'll i'll definitely uh, look and uh, we're going to put that in the show notes as well okay so in your book actually as well at uh, you there is something uh, i found fascinating as concept when you talk about bridging network versus bonding network can we can you elaborate on those and why it is yeah important? yeah 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 i i i mean and so so we as society and as humans bond, right? And when Robert Putnam wrote his seminal book, Bowling Alone, 
kind of talked about how our bonds are fraying in society. Earlier, we had all these clubs, churches, different places where communities gathered to bond. And they became a unit that was very protective of each other, right? Yeah. But those things have slowly frayed. But what I'm saying is that as much as we need to repair our bonding environments, we also need to focus on bridging, bridging networks. And bridging networks are incredibly important today, given how divided we have become. Right today, social media actually allows us to create these echo chambers. Right? You can form a group and in that group, you don't think about anything else. So that's why you have all of these political differences. You have these religious differences. You even can't agree on the fact that there is this COVID and the pandemic, and there is a virus that is killing people. Right? People think it's fake news. So how do we work with people across who have very different viewpoints? And a purpose mindset to me allows you to be a, a little bit more open to listen to other viewpoints mm -hmm. and make a far more concerted effort to become a bridge and bridging across. And that to me is a very important issue that we need to focus on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how do we start? How do we start to get out of our bonding and our echo and our groups to actually, you know, become you know, the bridge or the connector. Is there a, a way or a I mean I think I, I, I think that to me it is much more so what I say is that you know when you start doing these purpose mindset exercises within a organization, it is very important to do it as a group and to have people listen to you, understand where you're coming from, have that conversation so that people actually start respecting different points of views, different strengths, different values, and say, this is our global community in which we live. And we are going to be accepting of this, right? So when, my, when I do these exercises and I kind of tell people, hey, this is how your group is falling on the spectrum, people constantly ask me, should we now refocus our hiring to fill the gaps? And I'm saying, it's not about filling the gaps. It's actually about using what it is and making the best out of it. Right, so it's not about standardization. So when people start having these conversations in different ways, then you start creating bridges, right? If you had to go and talk to somebody who's completely disagrees with you on vaccines, and if you just talk about vaccines, you'll never agree. But if you find some other commonality and bridge, then you might actually start, both of you might start understanding each other and might actually create a different environment. Hmm. I think this way, this way of thinking is um, great and can be applicable in many things, actually. When you think of this diversity and inclusion also initiative that are going on, and then if you get some people from, you know, the 
a wider majority to actually see the point of view or find the commonality that they have with the minority group. So obviously Correct. that can Correct. create a bridge as well, right? Rather than being like forming the group within the minorities and trying to expect things to change from there is actually bridging the gap or bridging the, um, the, um, the network to other people as well. Exactly, hmm. exactly. And I think that's the, that's the piece we are actually trying to, to talk about, right? That how do you actually get into a space where you can have open conversations that are not confrontational? And that to me is really very important. Mm, yeah, having conversations that are not confrontational. Uh, however, they they do they can still be uncomfortable conversations. They can be uncomfortable, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. The important yeah. thing is to have uncomfortable conversations, but, but it should not open. be confrontational. Exactly. <laughs> have have uh, actually uncomfortable conversation, but don't be confrontational. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's good. Okay. So now, now let's come to our great resignation, um, you know, and see actually, you know, uh, I remember in our episode eight, we talked about, you know, having meaningful job. And then you say, you don't have meaningful job. You can find meaning in any jobs. And I remember that. So then the great resignation come uh, when actually we are now seeing so many people. Uh, I don't know what's their repartition across the world, but at least from the US and the West uh, country, where quite a lot of people are leaving their job. And at the beginning, we thought that those were like the white collar people. But it turned out that it's not even actually just them, actually, it's like uh, blue collar people, people on front line, in retail, it's across all kind of jobs. So, you know, that means that people are no longer, you know, willing to put on and to just go to work and just go and get paid and hopefully find in their spare time or in their volunteering time, some kind of meaning. People do want to have meaning at work. So how do we get now to envisage a world where organization or company when we are working in can become a place of meaning? Yeah, so, so that's, the, that's the real challenge. You can be a barista at Starbucks and have purpose. Yeah. You can be an orderly in a hospital and have purpose. Mm -hmm. You can be a CEO of a company and have no purpose. Yes. <laughs> I, so the important thing that I'm telling, and the great, what the great resignation is showing is that people are no longer willing to put up. Yes. That now they feel, you know what? We all know somebody or somebody that had this disease, got impacted with this disease, passed away because of this disease, and it suddenly put this life right in front of us. And now people are saying, hey, if you don't treat me well, I'm out of here. So the thing is not about the company. I think most people are leaving because they just don't like the way they're getting managed. It is simply the managers. 
And what companies need to realize is that your management chain is broken. And unless that gets fixed, people are going to continuously leave. But now, how do you change that? One way I believe you change that is to get everybody to start talking about purpose in any company and then align the individual purpose to the work that you're doing. Now, you may be working, you know, your job doesn't have to be, I'm solving the world's problem. It can still be, I'm creating software. But software for what? How are you getting treated? What other opportunities are you getting in the company? What the company can just be all about work. This colleague of mine whose, whose company that we are working with right now to help them derive their purpose, you know, has created these four rings of responsibility. <clears throat> the first is look after yourself. Second, look after your family. Third, we should look after our community. And fourth, we should look after our clients. So it's now flipping, right? So what is the opportunity people are getting to look after themselves? What are the opportunities they're getting to engage in the community? And what they are saying is that if we focus on, it's like put on your mask first in an airplane, <clears throat> then you can help the other person. So, so people, how they're viewing what happened is changing and it's suddenly getting them to realize the importance of the collective. No amount of money protected people from the virus. Right? So, so suddenly people are saying, hey, if you don't treat me and respect me, I'm gonna go find something else to do. Or I might start something on my else because I don't want to risk death in this process. Right? I mean, we are now finding even there's this whole article from India where Indian tech companies are asking their people to come back to the office. And many of them are saying, okay, I'm going to resign. I'm not going back to the office. Yeah. Right. So, so suddenly the choice has come about. And of course, it's not all just about purpose. But what I'm saying is that it is about people. And whether you are putting people at the forefront of profits. And managers need to understand that they need to put people first, profits will happen. And if you don't get that in companies, then you will constantly see this accelerated movement of people moving out, not because they hate the company or they don't, but they just cannot work. They cannot work in that environment anymore. And I think that's the big realization that people need to have, that your middle managers and most companies suck because we haven't done anything to actually prepare people to manage people. Yeah. We've actually prepared people to manage workflow. That is actually our um, inheritance from the industrial world, right? right. Perhaps worked well there. Now we are in a new era where we need to invent. It just looked like if we were caught up we, we went into a new kind of uh, era without having adapted the way that the company is working. And finally, we realized suddenly because everybody has to work from home and uh, you know we have to deal with totally different realities. And now suddenly 
you know, we need a new way of a new paradigm or a new, perhaps even managers is no longer a word that we need to use. You said earlier, conductor, perhaps now we should be having, you know, conductors in organization rather than managers. Right. So, the term is also yeah, expired, it, out of date. No, precisely, right, that it is about synchronizing and, you know, it's about people. So when you kind of even ask this question, right, you know, having a mission, vision statement, right? So let's just, so purpose again is the why we exist. Values are the principles that guide you and then your work. Mm -hmm. Vision is really where you want to go. Yeah. And mission is how you want to get there. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you kind of, Clarify these four, then you've kind of got it articulated. I said, people, purpose is why you exist. Values is what guides you. Principles, it's your principles, right? I will be guided by the value of generosity. Mm -hmm. I will be guided by the values of family. I will be guided by the families. Of, I mean, I will, whatever values you have. Yeah. Right. So, so, so values. Purpose, vision, mission are very different ways to articulate yourself. Yeah. And we kind of focus on the mission, vision, because we really want to know where we are going yeah. and how we are going to get there and what we are going to do. Yeah. But what we don't focus on is why and the principles and the values that are going to guide you. And now people are saying, hey, without these things, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to really redefine the values, or our organization needs to redefine values as well. Okay, so uh, in the last few uh, minutes that we have, I just wanted to know actually, knowing what you know now, which advice would you give to your younger self to really actually? get around this purpose mindset if you have to think about your younger self, that can accelerate your life. What would you be telling your younger self? I mean, I would have actually said that, hey, just sit down and spend some time thinking through this, right? So in my case, I mean, I clearly went in and I was fortunate enough that I never got stuck with my profession. I went in to become an architect. I got my PhD in architecture. I wanted to be an architect, but then I had opportunities that moved me into the nonprofit sector. And then I had opportunities to move into the corporate sector. And I'm now back into the teaching, consulting, and whatever else I want to do. So I was flexible enough not to get caught up in just being focused on that one thing that I got trained to do. So I would tell young people. Training is important. Get some training. But don't get fixated that that is what is going to guide you for the rest of your life. Keep your options open. Be inquisitive. Keep inquiring. Keep educating yourself. But do it with not just so that you want to benefit yourself, but for the greater good. Mm, yeah. And if you do that, then I think you are igniting that light, that switch within all of us that can light us up. Yeah. Purpose is really just that switch to light you up. 
Yeah, that speaks to light you up. Yeah, that's wonderful. Any last piece of guidance you'd like to pass to our listeners to do I, more meaningful work and live a meaningful life? So again, I don't believe that purpose is, is philanthropy. It is not something that is only available to people of power. It is a choice. Every single person has the choice to articulate our purpose, create our own values. We have our values. We just don't talk about it and our strengths. And if you bring that together, then you will start finding meaning in the work that you do because you will start discovering these meanings in every work there is meaning. So I would urge all of you to kind of think about how what you do is really to benefit society at large and not just for yourself. Yeah, on this beautiful note, thank you so much. So how can people reach you and learn more from you and your work, including so, your paintings there? <laughs> I, I mean, for my book, I have a website you know, purpose-mindset.org. And people can, you know, we have a community there. You can post things, you can read the book. The book can be bought on, you know, in any format. It's in, it's a hard copy. It's on Audible, it's on Kindle. And, you know, my website is akhtarbadshah.com. And, you know, you can look at, all the stuff that I'm doing there, and you can reach me through that. My email is akhtar, A-K-H-T-A-R-B at outlook.com. So, you know, if you want, and I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, yeah. Facebook, you can find me. I'm not, I'm not hidden. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for your wisdom. I didn't expect less than this. Thank you again for your wisdom and sharing all your, you know, uh, beautiful experience. So, and uh, I'll see you perhaps in the third time <laughs> sometime soon. Fantastic. Thank you so much and take care. That is it for today. I will see you next week for another episode of this season eight. Hey, if you're ready to get more meaning in your life, make the money you deserve and lead a movement to change the world and become a recognized thought leader in your industry, you better get on my email list where I send unique tips and practical strategies every single week in your inbox. Sign up to receive my free personal branding checklist. This is a one-page checklist that will help you pinpoint immediately which of the seven areas you should focus on to create an influential personal branding and make a bigger impact. So just head over to francinebelay.com slash podcast. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash podcast. And until then, dream, act, and make an impact. Love the blog.